0: support for our show comes solely from listeners like yourself if you like what we're doing help us by sharing the pod on social media and leaving us a five-star review whether it's on spotify apple podcasts google play or audible thanks again for listening and without further ado let's start the show
1: hi my name is emily Greist. i teach art and art history in hillsborough county public schools I am sticking with my union because it allows me to channel all of my righteous anger into something productive.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to PCTA's Fire Podcast. I'm Brendan Pickett. I'm the FDA director and fire co-chair. I'm Philip, Fire Co-Chair and Director at Large for PCTA.
1: I'm Dr. Anna Margiata. I teach AP chemistry and pre-AP chemistry.
2: Shannon Vincent and I teach intensive reading and
0: creative AP English and today we're here to talk about um The first of hopefully a series, which is all about teacher burnout, we're going to just kind of talk about things that are kind of driving people out of this profession and two talking points that we came up with recently would be um, the idea of apathy and contractual time and how they kind of play in together. So I kind of want to start off the discussion by talking about what is this reciprocal nature of school apathy and how it wears down a teacher into burning out and eventually quitting.
2: So I I was at a different school last year and I was about to quit. I was really looking into other professions and I've been in this game for 20 years now, but the expectation was too much. I went home at the end of the day and nothing is ever finished and nothing is ever done. It's not for me it's not apathy. I'm sorry. Okay. It's more caring too much, care burnout, um, wanting to be the pleaser teacher and saying yes to everything um, and it never being enough. And so I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. It's giving way too much of myself to be able to just think clearly about, well, what is the is this a life? This is this is too hard, um, but I, I'm sure it turns into apathy at some point. But I decided I just need to switch locations.
1: I I like relate to that because I feel like it's not. I mean, it's both. I care so much about my students and I want to help them so much. And I see how broken the system is and it makes me not care about big pieces of the system. And so it's like all my focus is on the well-being of my students mostly. And then like I don't care about a lot of like I know attendance is the most important thing ever. And I do care about it. I do do it every day. But it's like so frustrating that I have to worry about attendance and like logging all sorts of things on focus and portal and like
0: and also logging in that you came to work today
1: yeah like it's just like a lot of things (laughs) on top of like having to take care of all these babies that it's like you have to start not caring about certain things like to be able to get other things done
0: and that's the thing about teaching is like it's so much more than just dealing with children it's so much other stuff that you kind of have to start questioning well what's the point of it and when you're being overworked so much of all these additional tasks all the time eventually it is the system's broken you just say screw it i don't care anymore
1: and it's like i do want to get my plans done and i do want to have something cool for my students to do every day but when i have so much to do and i don't have the time to plan in class i don't care enough to plan outside of class. You know, I do grade outside of class and stuff, but like a lot of days this week has been just me in class grading because like I didn't have the time to plan something. I didn't care to plan it at home. And so then my students sit in class just like not really doing anything. And it leads to the student apathy too.
0: And student apathy is a really um, it's an epidemic in our school. And I think at most schools, I it, I feel like student apathy is at an all time high, and it kind of stemmed from I think COVID's what really drove the student apathy. But I mean, I was in schools before COVID, Shannon was in schools before COVID, and I I feel like it was already there.
2: You know, for the past thirteen years, I taught in the center for gifted, and you have kids who are um, underachievers. You have perfectionist underachievers. So that does create some apathy because they're always asking, why does this matter? Um, There wasn't as much as you probably see in the high school. But the apathy that I'm seeing now, I'm just, I'm going to attribute it to this addiction to cell phones. I I think that they cannot put it down. And so they don't care about anything else because they need that instant gratification. And I, I know I've said it before, but I do think that unless we do something about that, they're not going to be curious because the way kids learn, they, they're they bored. They have <laughs> absolutely nothing going on. It's like when you're you're laying in the grass, you're looking up at the sky, and you are coming up with these ideas. Our kids can't do that because they pick up their phone and they need to scroll as soon as they feel
0: like there's nothing to do. We must bore the children.
2: We do. We have to bore. That's, our, that's my solution. Bore the children. Bore
0: the children. And I, but I think this goes back to what Philip and I were talking about before we started recording, which is the idea of, do these kids even value it? And do their parents value it? And does this country value it, right? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that when, when we decided to do this episode of
3: apathy, right? Sort of the umbrella term is apathy. Apathy of what? Us? Of the kids? Of the system? And it, it really is all of those things. And I think one leads to the other, because if you have an apathetic system that doesn't really create an environment where kids are curious uh, or where kids do want to to learn and investigate, and I mean, they don't have to learn and they don't have to want to learn and investigate the things that we like and want them to do. I mean, ideally, yes, but the apathy is that they don't have any interest in anything. Which is which is the problem, because if you want them to learn Shakespeare, if you want them to learn chemistry, you got to find the thing that they are interested in first. Right. And kind of get in edgewise. But the problem is that we're finding that they're just not interested in anything because what they're interested in is dual screen TikTok videos of Family Guy and uh, like uh, 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 what is it? Subway Surfers. Right. It's like Subway Surfers and Family Guy. They're watching two screens at the exact same time. <laughs> and, they're, you know, it's just it's just insane. The, the lack of attention span and we've we talk about this in my class as part of the curriculum right with ace the kids they it's it's not necessarily their fault i mean they grew up with cell phones i mean we didn't control that they weren't in control of that but it's it is their responsibility to fix it now so if you're not interested in chemistry if you're not interested in shakespeare what are you interested in because i can't teach subway surfers that's just not an option i'm sorry
0: and i think you can speak on how is that driving teachers out of the classroom because i think you have a lot of personal experiences where you're you, you're kind of fed up with this you know and
3: yeah well my situation in particular is um i'm teaching a college level class an international certification class to a a all 200 of my students they're all getting it Um, and a great majority of them don't want to be there and probably should not have been placed there to begin with. So the apathy in my room is, is kind of insane. Uh, It's not something I ever experienced before or expected to experience. So I, I don't know. What the solution is. I mean, the, the system is apathetic enough to let this happen. The students are apathetic enough to sit there and just rack up like literal zeros for having never turned anything in. Um, I have students who have straight zeros for entire quarters, have never turned in a stitch of work. That's It's that level of apathy. And it's causing me to be like, well, I, I mean, how much more effort can I put in? Um, you know, something that we kind of say as teachers to our students and kind of among ourselves is I can't really care about your grades more than you care about them. Yeah. You know, we don't give grades. We, we type in the grade that you earn. You know, so you if you earn a zero by having produced nothing, I just put that in the book. That is your grade. I, you know, I have fun lessons. I, I like to dress up in costumes and do silly voices and, you know, bring in all this stuff. But, I mean, the level of attention being paid, I have students who now in March don't know my name. My name has been written on the board since day one. <laughs> I've been the same teacher since day one. I know that there are kids who call me Mr. Sir. Hey, teacher. I, and I know for sure they do not know my name because they have not paid attention. I get, it, uh, yeah.
1: I get called Mrs. Doctor but, <laughs> and it makes me so annoyed. I It just infuriates me every time.
0: <laughs> you are listening to Taste Fire Podcast. I'm Brennan here with Philip, Dr. Margiata, and also Shannon Vincent and Dr. <laughs> Mrs. Margiata. Margiata. Margiata, (laughs) Dr. Mrs. Anna Margiata, and we're here talking about apathy. And I think one thing that really plays into what makes students apathetic, what makes teachers apathetic, what kind of drives the whole system, it kind of is like this vicious cycle almost is this idea that we just don't have enough time, you know, and I, I think we hear this constantly from teachers, like we don't have enough time and people always like to yell out the common fund our schools. Like what do we mean, like there's not enough time in the school day to do our jobs correctly. Can so, I hit the brakes on something real quick? Yeah, hear sure. it.
3: Um, when we say we don't have enough time does not mean that we should make school extend into the summer, okay? <laughs> when we say we don't have enough time, it's that we we are overburdened with multiple tasks, in some cases more than one job. In some cases our support is not there from the school or our support staff that is tied up in testing. So the, I don't believe, I will tell you this right now, I don't believe the solution is to make school
0: longer. So it's not that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> okay. That. It's not
3: that. Can I
2: backtrack though to the to just apathy for just one second absolutely talking about your your students having to take a class that's a college level class yes i think that that is it's unconscionable we should not be doing that to kids and i think that that has been the move that the district has made and so that's creating that apathy amongst the kids and then of course it's trickling to you Mm -hmm. and you know that but what I'm saying is that we need to have other options. Not every single kid needs to become um, somebody who can talk with a professor. Mm-hmm. Not every kid is, no. that's, not, that's not even setting us up for setting them up for a job that's gonna be good for them um, or to create a future that's gonna be good for our country. We're, we're doing them a disservice. Yeah. We need more tech schools. Um, so we're just not educating every single kid in the way that they need to be educated.
0: And when you set them up for failure, they don't want to try anymore. Okay. What's right. the point? What's the point in trying if I'm going to fail? They already have helpless mentality when you do this, when you make, when you force them into college level courses and they know they're in reading classes. They know they have never passed the FSA. They know they've never scored anything on the SAT, the ACT. They know this already. They're not yep. dumb.
2: And I think it's a scheduling nightmare for whoever's doing the scheduling. And so it'd be really hard to say, okay, well this English class is for this, you know, this group. And so why not just have one class for every kid? And that, that's just a logistical problem that they need to fix. And then that comes right back down to money. Yeah. So they're just not... And money.
3: ideology as well.
1: There are definitely students in my AP class who like should not have been put in there at the beginning. And like at the beginning of the school year... You know, I try really hard with them to get them back on track. But at this point, like, the AP exam is in, like, uh, six weeks or so. And they gave up immediately. And there's nothing I can really do for them at this point. And so then it leads to, like, I just... I, they don't care I don't care it's the apathy mm-hmm. cycle thing and so like in class today I have to be like come on guys at least just like face forward and be quiet <laughs> like don't have your back facing right. me I'm not even taking up the whole lecture time I'm doing it for this amount <laughs> like you could pretend like I tell like at least pretend for me but like whatever yeah. like
3: and we share some of those students don't we yeah so that's two classes out of their schedule of seven that they are definitively failing and we're set up to fail at from the beginning um i don't know i mean i agree with the tech schools thing i mean it's it's not popular it's not glamorous to to say that these that we should go more towards tech schools um especially as an academic professional but
0: don't go too far other countries have already had this model in place for right. decades years and it works I mean, if you look yeah, at absolutely. england if you yeah. look at england they do normal school right. normal the three hours of school right they yeah. do that all the way up until 16 yep and at 16 it's like okay there's two roads for you my man there's yeah. there's going to be tech school there's going to be college and we'll pay for it so and, you get that till 18
3: and i've i've read recently that since england has sort of adopted a model more closely Uh, more more closely resembling ours where they push everybody towards university. It's inflating the cost of their universities, which are still cheaper than ours, by the way. But it's but a lot of people in in the UK are getting very upset that they're pushing people who were born and raised to be sheep farmers. They only want to be sheep farmers. They would be very happy sheep farmers. And now they're forcing them to go to university. Now it's inflating the cost of everything for
0: everybody else, which is exactly what happened here.
2: I think I would be a happy sheep farmer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I would be happy just to be a sheep, to be honest, (laughs) at this (laughs) point. But also one more thing to add to this, you know, pushing kids in the college courses that obviously aren't ready for it. I don't think that's inherently evil either. My wife works at a school where everything's blended. You can put gifted kids in the same classes as kids who are lower. But Mm -hmm. you also have to keep in mind that if you are setting these kids up for failure, you have to have the support systems in place for them to be successful. And you have to have the staff that's willing to work with them to be successful. Right. Right. The idea is there's no support. support for these kids at all either. So what happens is, is that they fail and then everyone's quiet and then they keep failing and then they, Mm -hmm. it just gets worse and worse. into this helpless behavior. I think the idea of blended courses and pushing kids into advanced rigorous courses, it's fine. It's not an evil thing, but you can't just half bake it. You have to go all the way with it.
2: In 2000, we used to have to build our AP classes to make sure that we had two Classes, we had to get at least 43 students. So we would recruit. So we look for the 7, 8, and 9 stay nines. We found them, and then we had parents who wanted their kids in the AP classes and they had to sign a waiver if they didn't have the stay nine. And said, We understand that they might not be ready for this class. But I mean, I have students who are sitting in AP classes who are reading a first grade level. I'm Mm -hmm. not kidding. And they are so frustrated and they have given up and they, I don't know, they feel like failures. They don't feel like they're good at anything. And that is not true. Mm -hmm. They are good at things, but they are sitting in all of these classes Mm -hmm. that are making them feel like I don't get it.
0: And we used to have that. It used to be if a kid wanted to take an advanced course with an H next to it or an AP next to it, they yeah. go to their teacher and they say, Do you think I'm ready for the next level? And the teacher would say yes or no. And then there's that third stakeholder we forget about, the parent mm-hmm. would then sign that as well, saying, Yes, my child and my t- child's teacher have said they are ready for this course. I will sign off on it as well. Do we
3: know if this if this um this way of pushing every single person into AP courses and dual enrollment courses is a Pinellas thing or is this a Florida thing?
2: I think
3: it's a No Child Left Behind thing. Correct. This I is everywhere. Exactly.
2: To do with closing yep. the achievement gap. and right. there a solution?
0: Yeah, I think we'll eventually do an episode on that as well. But George Bush's administration really, really, w- which one? Uh, w W uh, yeah, W. He really with No Child Left Behind. That really. Jack said.
2: and his brother. Yeah, yeah. You know. Jeb's brother is right. the testing guy. He's the guy who runs
0: all the testing. What's his name? And that's why he made FCAT. Yeah. Mm, there it is. Right? It's all linked to something. It's all connected to something. And and right. I mean some of these things are they're good ideas in principle, but not in
3: practice. I've given the example in the past that my younger brother, when when we first moved to Florida um, at the time, there were like separate ESE sections that he ended up getting put in. And he basically f- dropped out of high school because those ESE sections, there was just nothing going on in those rooms. They were basically just, just holding pens for students until the end of the day. Um, there was just no instruction happening. And my brother wasn't, you know, my brother had like dyslexia. So he got thrown in with with other kids who had more severe, um, you know, uh, learning disabilities and and other things, but. Because of that, essentially, again, the system failed him. So my brother became apathetic as well. Um, So the idea of mixing people together and having like, you know, rising tides lift all ships, I think that that's a good idea. But you have to have the support system in place to actually make that work, which we don't have. And I don't I mean, as far as I've been a teacher, it's only been three years. I've never seen. Have you ever seen it? You know, and I
0: hate the rail on the district here, but it, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist. And, and most things that they do, I mean, if you're listening, go back and listen to restorative practices. Most things that I've seen the district do in the six short years I've been here is have it's been half baked. Yeah. It's so always
3: have you ever seen like enough support staff to actually help our ESE and ELL English language learner students that no, it worked? No, no.
2: Mm. And that's that's got to be the solution. And that's why, you know, when I'm talking about money being the solution It really is more
3: support staff and more time. Yeah. Or uh, I mean, even just promoting like these uh, tech programs, like I mean, I would say a good amount of my students who are unhappy in my classroom would be more than happy and more than successful in plumbing, electrician, construction programs, which are simply not available to them. Well, they're available through P-TECH, but then uh, they have to leave school for that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure transportation
3: is an issue is, for a lot of it these is. kids. It is. Yeah.
0: They have to get there themselves sometimes. I mean, there is a bus, but I don't yeah. know. Sometimes the bus doesn't pick up. because there other thing. We don't have bus really. drivers, it's <laughs> it's not it's It just, is not a comprehensive it's just plan. Layers.
3: Again, it's in principle, these are all great ideas. The actual reality of them are floundering disasters.
2: My mother, way back in the day, I think she graduated in 1969, graduated with a nursing degree. Um, We have that at Center for Wellness and Medical Professions, at Bogey, I really think we should move towards that. Give kids the options to be able to do it right there mm-hmm. at their
0: school. You're listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. I'm Brennan Pickett here with Philip, Dr. Margiotta, and Shannon Vincent. And we're going to move on to our next point of how do we fix this mess. I kind of came here with an article today. For once, I'm Dr. Margiata, And I'm
3: <laughs>
0: going to, because this morning I was talking to a teacher at our school and she has been around since the 80s. And she was talking about this thing where English teachers, because I've been complaining about this for weeks now. I'm like, why don't we have more time to do English stuff? You know? And she said, well, we had that. I was like, what? She's like, yeah. in like the 80s and 90s, we had that. And then they got rid of it. And it was a whole mess. And I can get into that later. But I looked at this article. It was published in April 10th, 1992 from a Nancy McGee. And Nancy, if you're still out there, (laughs) reach out. I'd love to talk to you from Kennedy Middle School, which is a closed middle school now. Um, It's called, and Ramsey's going to love this one. School budget cuts are killing one of the three R's. <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally cringe.
2: Yeah. So
0: I can summarize this article real quick. Basically, um, in 1992, in the mid 80s actually, Pinellas County had room in the budget for this program called Writing Enhancements. And it added a second planning to ELA teachers so they could assign and grade essays in a mm-hmm. timely manner. This also capped enrollment for ELA teachers to 100 kids a year, and it was slowly diminished into nothing until eventually removed in 1992. This also prompted Pinellas County to remove regular reading classes from K to eight. So there used to be a, a reading class that wasn't for kids who were bad at reading. It used to be just like a we're all taking reading. We're all going to do you know morphology, dictionary skills, linguistics, uh, comprehension. You know that was the thing that was being taught and. The idea is, you know, and we actually see this today in schools today. It's like the idea is we need to make kids be able to read so they can be successful in social studies and science. They have to be able to read. The argument today, though, is that oh, we can get all the subject areas to teach reading. Mm -hmm. And that's just not possible at all.
1: Yeah, I already need to teach them algebra all the time to be able to do (laughs) chemistry. Like, I can't be teaching reading algebra and chemistry. Why not? No, what do you mean? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and this article is even cooler where it was separating English from reading because nowadays it's considered all one thing. But... Language arts, which we have a three language arts teachers here, is spelling, grammar, composition, literature, research skills, speaking and listening skills, while teaching reading is morphology, dictionary skills, linguistics, and comprehension. Mm-hmm. And what happens is if you push all those things together, now we're teaching two classes essentially. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah, In the same
0: forty five minute block. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the major thesis statement I got from this article is that English and ELA and reading um, are different skills and they need to be uh, treated separately as classes and given their own a lot of time.
1: I love this idea of two planning periods. I Um, do too. And someone at some point, I'm not claiming this idea, but like I feel like first year teachers should just automatically get two planning periods because like I have nothing to fall back on and I have to like make everything brand new. Like you guys know that, but like... I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think two planning periods sounds pretty sweet.
3: That would be good for first-year teachers. It
2: takes a lot of time to plan a good lesson, and especially the very first year you're doing that, you have to read all of the material. I don't think anybody considers that you have to read all of that material, and the reading takes time. And then you have to think about the delivery. You have to link it to standards, of course. And hopefully, you're starting from the standards. And then you have to create all of the materials for that. And they think that they've created all of them for us, but I try to use the platforms that they give us and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. not always
3: happy. I think it was the year before last that the, the district didn't consider what we do um, important enough to give us enough time to grade all of our final exams as ELA teachers mm-hmm. more than 4 p.m. on the last day of school. So we had until 4 p.m. on the last day of school to grade every single final exam paper a written paper. I remember that. at Yeah.
2: And I remember one year at Voguey graduation was in one hour after the final exams. Oh, wow. Mm I, I was livid. Yeah. Well, clearly.
0: Pickett, can I I
3: I ask
2: to pass them?
0: What was, what year was that article again? 1992. I wasn't even alive yet. Um, I was, but (laughs) it was a few
3: months before I was born. So this, this article from 1992, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but was back then, was did Pinellas have less people living in it and less property taxes for some reason? Or. or... This is before the referendum.
2: Probably. I mean, I <laughs> guess. This is before yeah. people
3: came. We have more people. And more property taxes now. So why do we have less money now? And more kids. And more kids with more people, more money going into what, you know, assuming you would go into the school district. Why why was there more money back then for this program than there is now? There is
0: different priorities. I think the state at that time was prioritizing uh, writing as a real thing to be focused on. And they put money into the budget for it. And now they don't value it.
2: I heard about this program when I first started teaching, um, and I heard about it from my mentor, Marsha Bradwick. Hello, how are (laughs) you? Um, And she said that it worked. And uh, when reading that article, it didn't seem like it lasted very long. No. But she said that when you have time to provide adequate feedback to kids, You can teach writing and they will learn how to write Mm -hmm. because you have time to do it. And so that is the solution in terms of, you know, just trying to make sure that the kids don't get so frustrated because they're getting an essay back and they don't really know what to do with that. Right. Um, Having two planning periods or enough time to grade is definitely a solution.
0: And I think. This drives me crazy all the time because I I do assign a lot of essays. People say, where do you have the time? I don't have the time. time. I don't. I have to come to school an hour early and grade five to ten essays every morning to stay on top of my work. And I don't get paid for those hours. Mm -hmm. So if we're going back to apathy real quick here, I have to care to do this. If I don't care, then... (laughs) What are the kids going to receive for work? Worksheets? And that's why we see our system just falling apart. It's crumbling because...
2: Teachers have to just grade for completion because they do not have time Mm -hmm. to do it. And so if they're grading for completion, then we have grade inflation. And so you have all of these kids who expect an A, and so therefore you're going back to
1: apathy. One uh, one of the things I want to mention is like, as the science teacher here, like the kids do for the most part, enjoy labs. And I love doing labs. They get to do fun things. And even if it's just the online computer simulation labs, those are fun too, because they're sort of like the video games and the stuff on their phone that they're on all day anyway. Um, But like the actual physical labs, like there's so much extra time required on the front end and the back end to do any lab and i would be doing a lab every week if i could it's just like it takes time to set up the chemicals and figure out like the safety things and like clean my room before and after because they will get stuff all over the place and they do i do see students who usually don't care i see them care when i give them like stuff to play with Mm -hmm. um and i was thinking about one student that we share um who is a student who does pretty well in my class and excels when we do these online simulation things? Because this person like loves the games and stuff yeah. and whatever, and actually suggested to me like asked me like can we do a lab on Minecraft? And I was like I can't do that, but like someone would be talented right. enough to like figure out how to do a chemistry lab on Minecraft somehow, some yeah. kind of online simulation something.
3: Yeah, and that's that a tight- to
2: class size. Right? Oh, absolutely.
1: Or like planning time and have, everything.
2: Yeah. If you have too many, too many kids, then you don't have enough time to do the before and
3: after prep. No, no, that's absolutely. I was just going to yeah. say that would be I mean that would be a perfect student example um, who would who would might be interested in something. That, I mean, I can't necessarily teach Minecraft either, but I can allow students to write about it, to write about what it is that they like about it, right? My again, my struggle is is that they apparently, they seemingly have no interests. And I actually had a guest speaker earlier this year oh, yeah. who who told me um, I mean, this this guest speaker was struggling the same way that I do every day. in just the one day that they were here, and they said, "What is going on with with this this class? Like, how come this is so hard? They're not interested in anything." And by the way, this speaker um, w- uh, makes movies and film, works on film sets and 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 uh, TV sets, and um, and would ask the students, "Hey, is anybody here interested in making TV shows or movies?" Dead silence, dead air. So then after a certain period, after a certain amount of periods of the day, uh, my guest speaker says to me, "Is like, what is going on here? And I said, this is every day. For me, this is every single day where nobody has any interest. And my TA was sitting right next to them and... Pipes into the conversation, says, yeah, it's, it's actually miserable in here. This is brutal. <laughs> um, and and this, is, this is me for 190 days of the school year. It's, they have just no interest. So I would, al- I would love to read a paper written on Minecraft. But you know what I don't have time to do is to teach that student the fundamental skills that they're lacking to actually write that paper. Otherwise, it's just going to be an incoherent mess which is going to get a grade for completion 100%. Nobody can possibly read this or it's going to be an F because it doesn't meet
0: any of the qualifications for a college level class that they're in. It, it, this idea that teachers are entertainers, we should be entertaining our, our children. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I'm actually supposed to be educating your child on how to be like, you know, a human being outside of this place, you know, like a successful mm-hmm. person who's like competent in what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it, it Yes, yes, yes. We need to have more time. If we have more time, we can plan. If we have more time, we can give those big assignments that actually assess learning, right? Do and
1: super cool labs.
0: Do super cool labs. You know, I can assign papers and give actual feedback and not just say you got an F on it or something. I can actually write stuff on it, take my time. Mm-hmm. I, it's, this... I,
2: I wrote a letter to Pinellas County Schools a couple of years ago about um, just all of these things that our are area super, I think it was the area super, Maybe it was the principal it was requiring us to do these grade reflections that took three hours. And so I did, I did the math. If I had 160 kids, which I did the COVID year, five minutes per essay, that's 13 hours. If I had 140 kids, five minutes per essay, that's 11.6 hours. Um, we have, I counted it up, let's say beat high, six and a half hours per week of planning time. And then plus we have data entry and then we have planning and we have all of these other things that we have to do. So if kids are going to learn, they do learn from feedback, but we can't give them the feedback. It's impossible. And so that's that's the burnout that I was having is that I just can't possibly in the time that's allotted to me do that work. Um, if I have 140 kids and it's two minutes per assignment, which might be, you know, a light assignment, you know, just a response or something, that's 4.6 hours. I don't know about you guys, but I I, I think I must be a slow reader. The whole time.
3: <laughs> I like, am a slow I reader, yeah.
2: I cannot <laughs> do 30 seconds per assignment. And if no. we are doing 30 seconds per assignment, that is just grading for completion. Correct. So mm-hmm. No one, no one is able to do this job the way it should be done. No. Now, in Finland, they have the planning period per class that they have. I know that's never going to happen. Oh,
3: wow. That would be wonderful. But
2: for every class, they can pretty much remediate for every single student and, you know, provide them feedback. But um, so that's that's our problem. That's definitely the issue.
0: And I think we have to end here. We're out of time. But we'll be right back to discuss our BASED award for the week. So stick around, guys. Hey, guys, it's Brennan. One of my goals moving into this podcast project was to have the voices of our listeners play an active role in sharing our message that unions public schools, well, they're not going anywhere without a fight. And as we dive deeper into the themes of public education, teachers unions, and political activism, we want to hear from you, our listeners. If you're a teacher, parent, even a member of the community, we extend an open invitation for you to send us a voice recording with your name, occupation, and why you're sticking with the union during these politically turbulent times. we love to play these recordings at the beginning of our episodes and share your thoughts with our listeners. You can send these recordings to pctafire, that's F-Y-R-E, pod, at gmail.com. Additionally, we encourage you to write to your representative and advocate for teachers' unions and public education. You can easily locate your representative by visiting www.myfloridahouse.gov forward slash find your representative. Your voice can make a difference in supporting education and the future of our students. So take a moment to send us a voice clip and write to your representative. Let's work together to positively impact education for all.
3: Hello there. If you support the podcast, you can now donate directly to us from the link in the description. You can donate 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 monthly. Your donation can help get me, Aziz, off
0: the streets. Well, unfortunately, Aziz will always be on the streets. He yearns for the streets, but your support will go towards producing high-quality episodes just like the one you're listening to right now. Your support helps us
3: keep gas in the tank, food on our tables, and our classrooms full of pencils and paper. We all know is all over America undervalued and underpaid. Help us. Mooks like me continue to bring recognition and a voice to education professionals.
0: And we're back. Um, so we're going to head into our BASED Award. So remember, audience, a BASED Award is a few things. It could be something that is considered respectable or... Something that is agreeable. I can go. I actually have mine ready. Let's hear it. I was was thinking
3: about this, um, I guess, last night is when I saw it. So there's this this lady in Martin County, Florida. Uh, Her name is Grace Lynn, and she is 100 years old. And she went to... Their Martin County School Board meeting and spoke. But she was talking about all the book bannings. She's 100 years old. She said that her husband died in World War II when he was 26 years old fighting fascists, that he was fighting book bannings and book burnings. And she says, my husband died uh, a father of freedom and I am a mother for liberty.
2: Fear is not freedom. Fear is not liberty. Fear is control. My husband died as a father of freedom. I am a mother of liberty. Banned books need to be proudly displayed and protected from school boards like this. Thank you very much
1: great. Exactly. I love her so Thank much. You.
3: She was wonderful. So I think what we should do is we should get like biker vests and flags oh. that say uh, the Freedom Fathers on it it's and do it for grace. And we go to school board meetings as
0: the Freedom Fathers. Let's do it. We're the, we're the Sons of Liberty.
3: No, that you know.
1: one's <laughs> I'll have to make a patch. Freedom no, this is for grace. For
3: families. Freedom families, families for, for freedom, the three F's, like the three R's, the three F's. The
0: three F's. F uh, cubed? That's just most frustrating it's the three F's. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what some of mine are rocking this quarter. Three F's.
1: My base award goes to my grandma because right. she's turning 80 on Saturday and we're right. having a big party for her and a whole bunch of my family's coming from out of town.
0: And New York too? Uh,
1: a lot of them are coming from New York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It'll be good. That was all I could think of really. My grandma's very base to have such a great, large, wonderful family.
0: Shout out to Grandma and the cousins. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to the cousins. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Um, my base award goes to the Union Dad and possibly soon to be President Lee Bryant. Um, thank 15, you minutes. So oh. Oh, Fifteen
0: minutes. So
2: much. Fifteen minutes until we figure out. Fifteen minutes. Yeah.
3: Oh, by the time listeners hear this, it'll be days
0: old. <laughs> yeah, a week.
2: <laughs> um, he pulled me out of the darkness, and actually, my base award goes to. Pretty much all of St. Pete High faculty, they just know, I don't know, people have been coming up. They just seem to know when you're down and they say, how are you doing? And so, um, thank you, St. Pete High and Lee Bryant, soon to be president.
1: Union dad. Union dad.
0: Gim Lee. (laughs) That's what he pulled me aside and talked to me about. It's like, hey, by the way, it's Gim Lee. Make sure you are pronouncing it like that. Yes, I hear you, my man. All right, mine is we have this awesome new Bluetooth equipment that Philip has bought for the podcast. And I'm hoping we're going to call James Patterson next week, you know, and <laughs> get him on the pod, right? We can call people now. So if you're listening and you want to call in and have us talk about what you think is going on in education, please give us a call.
1: Ooh, a call wow.
0: show. Yeah, yeah. Are you
1: going to take live it's callers? Live? <laughs> hey,
0: this is Brennan Pickett and Philip. Welcome. What can know. we do for you? Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, so now we can call people, especially James Patterson, to talk about all his history books. Yeah. What's your favorite James Patterson book?
2: Oh, I I cannot say that I've read a James Patterson book. Oh, like I said, I'm so I was just so excited that he's getting into the conversation about banned books in <laughs> Florida. I have read the Jody Picholt books because she's one of my mom's favorite authors.
3: Hi, Mom. Is she related to James Patterson somehow? or
2: No, she is also getting in on a oh, banned okay. book. She was banned in Florida. I was
3: thinking we should try to contact that guy who wrote Hoot, who's like the big Florida writer. Carl Hyacin Carl Hyacin, yeah. We should see if he wants to be on the podcast. Just, Carl, if you're listening. Well, Carl, why, we, we know you're listening. <laughs> oh, he's like a Florida guy, isn't he? I've never read Hoot, but that's a, that's the big one. <laughs>
0: yeah, Call
3: okay. in now, Carl, if you want to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, a week ago, <laughs> If you're a time traveler, Carl, and you're listening from a week from now. <laughs> Hello, um, Philip. This is Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I? We can edit around this a little bit, but yep. I do want to give a brief shout out to all of the, the media people who have been reaching out to us and who have kind of promoted us a bit. So um, help me if I'm forgetting any names. I've got McKenna Schuler from WMNF. Uh, Carrie Sheridan from WUSF and NPR. Um, Hannah Danine from 10 Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Ian Hodgson from the Tampa Bay Times. Yep. Ariel Stevenson. Yep. Right. So shout out to all of those people from the media who have been covering um, not just what's going on here in Florida schools, not just what's going on here in Pinellas, but our podcast specifically. So um, if you're a fan of Creative Loafing or 10 Tampa Bay or the Tampa Bay Times or NPR, or WMNF or any of those, um, and you missed news. our coverage. Yeah, if you're a fan of the news, um, <laughs> we're out there. You can you can read more about us and kind of the history of what we're doing here. Um, and we believe there is some more to come soon.
0: Yes, we do. But for now, we're gonna get out of here. So thank you for listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. As always, I am Brennan. I'm Philip.
1: I'm Dr. Anna. I'm Shannon.
0: Peace out. Goodbye. I've- Hey everyone, we would like to remind our listeners about important school board meetings taking place on March 21st and April 11th at 10 a.m., as well as a 5 p.m. meeting on April 25th. Remember, it's vital for teachers, parents, and community members to attend these meetings and advocate for public education. Your voice and presence can play a significant role in shaping the future of education and improving the lives of students in our community. We want to give a special thank you to Philip Castro for providing our theme music and Artifact for adding some great tracks into our intermissions. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Artifact's music at artifactjoints.bandcamp.com. We also want to express our gratitude to Radio St. Pete for airing our podcast, Jamie Beck, Brian Balton, Carla Correa, and Nancy Filardi, as well as all of our supporters in the education community. Your support and dedication has been instrumental to getting the word out and reaching new listeners. Well, that's all for today. I'm Brennan Pickett. You guys have a great day.